0: much. We are in a series titled The Agent. Everybody say The Agent. You can do better than that, say The Agent. We came out of Easter weekend, our our Resurrection Sunday weekend, and it was, um, as we kind of followed through the scripture, Jesus had died on that Friday. He had resurrected on that Sunday, and then for the next about 50 days, He appeared to different people um, in his resurrected body. I mean, you could touch and you could feel the holes and, and it was just this beautiful experience. And then he ascended into heaven And then he had been telling his disciples, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you like an orphan. I'm going to send to you my spirit, the spirit of Christ, or the Holy Spirit. If you read King James Version, the Holy Ghost. Or or if you're Espanol, you know, fuego del Espíritu Santo, the fire of the Holy Ghost. And, And John the Baptist prophesied, he said, here comes, talking about Jesus, here comes the one whom I'm unfit to even... Deal with his sandals and loose his sandals. I baptize you in water under repentance, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will do what, what, what Father has promised. That he would one day pour out his spirit on all flesh, the spirit of the living God. And, and so what we've been doing in this series is I want to, number one, I want to set you free from any um, negative concepts or um, misappropriations of who the person of the Holy Spirit is. He is the third person, as we refer to him at in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's not an eerie uh, incandescent presence. He's a person. Uh, he has characteristics in nature, and, and and Jesus promised him to us. He's what separates us out, if you will, from the old covenant relationship that the followers of God had in what is called our Old Testament, the people of Israel. He is the, the deciding factor that makes the new covenant so Different in my opinion. In fact, I'll tell it to you like this um, the Holy Spirit is referred to just under 100 times in the Old Testament. So you got 39 books of the Bible in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament, making a full Bible of 66 books. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit's only referred to 100 times. But in the New Testament, in the 27 books, he's referred to over 250 times in other words he is the he is kind of the star of the new testament church his working in their life what jesus did his resurrection and then sending of the spirit of christ the Holy Spirit into our lives and so because of that I thought it important before I go into any more teaching today that I just help you especially with a lot of visitors we have a lot of visitors from week to week we have a lot of new folks in our church we got folks that have been established and I just want to make sure that you understand some of our positions as a church Uh, Me as the lead pastor and our pastoral team on our positions in reference to the Holy Spirit because there's a lot of bad teaching and bad representation of the Holy Spirit out there. And some of you have come from places where you had some negative experience, not because the Holy Spirit's bad, because sometimes when we represent him, we misrepresent him a lot more than we should here in, uh, in Christian life in the United States. So let me just give you a couple thoughts. First and foremost, we believe... Um, that there are two distinct works. Here at Hill City, we believe there are two distinct works of the Holy Spirit. We believe first, his first key work... Is regeneration that He's making us new, that He lives and abides in us, and He comes inside of us upon our profession of faith, upon the moment that we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the moment that we have our conversion experience, that the Spirit of the Living God comes and lives and abides in us, and that's a quote straight out of the Book of John, chapter fourteen and verse seventeen, where Jesus said, "He will live in you, and He will be with you," and and so the Spirit of the Lord comes within us, and that's why when some of you got truly transformed, you truly become. Christians, for the first time you felt convicted about stuff. And I was referring this last week when I first got saved, when I first became a Christian, I really started having these thoughts and feelings. I felt bad about cursing you out. I felt bad that I had, you know, that I had lied about that. I'd never felt that way before. Why? Because now the Holy Spirit's living inside of me. In fact, last week we taught that one of his key works, according to Scripture, Jesus said he would convict the world of sin, righteousness, and the judgment to come. So it's that conviction that I didn't have before the Holy Spirit came to live inside of me. Then we believe there's a second work, very distinct that we see in Scripture that the Holy Spirit does, and that's the work of empowerment. Everybody say empowerment. And we see very clearly that Jesus promised in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, then ye shall receive power. Everybody say power. Power. After which the Holy Spirit's come upon you So the work of the Holy Spirit is two part It's to work in our lives To, to, to convict us to, to lead, guide, and direct us To regenerate us Make us new A new creature in Christ Adam and Cain no longer lives But Christ living in me The hope of glory An old creature is passing away The old Adam and Cain And all of my sinful nature that I was born into Is being renewed day by day As the work of the Holy Spirit is regenerating me And then a second work of the Holy Spirit And that is empowerment To give me power over sin to give me power over depression to give me power over insecurities doubts and unbelief to give me power to overcome and to walk in power to heal the sick raise the dead cast out devils words of knowledge words of wisdom working of miracles these power pieces are supposed to be at work and so what we see sometimes in, in the life of the believer is they'll believe in regeneration but they won't believe in power and and it's clearly laid out in scripture and this is our position as a church and then where there seems to be a lot of confusion, and I don't know why, because two thousand years ago there was no confusion over tongues speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, but now two thousand years later it's like it's like whoa be Dude, whoa, I, I've seen I watched a YouTube video about the Condolindi spirit and that's Because we've had such negative representation by the leaders. And I want to set some things straight. Is that all right if I do that for a second? So in reference to tongues, I want you to know very clearly, I speak in tongues. I pray that all of you would have a beautiful prayer language and that you would speak in tongues. And I want you to have that. But let me be very clear. The scriptures... Do not tell us anywhere that you have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. Let me tell you how you go to heaven. You confess the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You repent of your sins and you obey him the best you can. Are you with me? Say yes so tongues is this beautiful piece in fact, the apostle Paul said I thank God I pray in tongues more than you all so when you resist something like that's in scripture like that, be careful and I've watched people create doctrine and all this kind of stuff that's just not accurate, and so I believe for you, I believe that every believer can have a beautiful prayer language I believe that every believer can speak out in tongues, if you so want it, but I also know that the Holy Spirit will not force himself, and so our position is simply this, we would love to see everyone speak and pray in tongues but we do not believe that it is the only proof that you have been empowered nor do we believe that it's if you don't speak in tongues you're not a true believer or that you're some second-rate christian somebody say amen that's just good proper doctrine so we want that for you but that doesn't mean you say i don't really pray in tongues pastor great love jesus let's go hallelujah praise god praise god I want to see you have power. And I don't believe that the only proof that you have power is if you go a lot, a lot of singa dinga bing, 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 bong. I don't. I don't I want you to overcome sin I want you to I want you to have power over your old insecurities come on somebody and this is what he wanted and that's why he sent us his Holy Spirit two works regeneration and then the work of empowerment now today we're going to jump into this other part of the book of John where Jesus is literally telling his disciples what his agent and I've titled it the agent because an agent is someone who represents someone else And the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, will not represent himself, but he represents Jesus. And that's why in Scripture, sometimes it calls him the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it calls him the Holy Ghost. Sometimes it calls him the Spirit of Christ, living and abiding in us. Are you still with me? Say yes. And so with that being said, let's turn to John chapter 16 as we start our teaching today. And today I want to teach you how the Holy Spirit literally teaches and guides us. Teaches and guides us. Chapter 16, verse 13 of John. It says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you. Everybody say, guide you. Say it out loud. Say, guide you. And he'll guide you into some truth, a little bit of truth. What does it say? All truth. He will not speak on his own. I was referring to this earlier. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So he's not going to speak on his own. He's not motivated by his own agenda. He is an agent of Jesus Christ. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for us there. And I like what the one preacher said, that Jesus is our advocate in heaven before the Father and the Holy Spirit is our advocate here on earth in front of all the demons and the forces of evil working with us to overcome. Are you there? Say yes. And so because of that, he says he will not speak on his own, only what he hears from me. And he'll tell you what is yet to come. Verse 14, he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine. What what belongs to Jesus? Everything. What is mine and making it known to you. I want to go back to that word guide. And he will guide you into all truth. That word guide in the original Greek is hodegio. Hodegio, and it actually translates even better to show the way. Everybody say show the way. The presupposition here is that there is a right way and a wrong way. In fact, Jesus actually taught that. He said there are two paths. There is a broad path that leads to destruction. He calls it the the, 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 the wide road or the broad path. He goes, and many there that are upon that, that are heading towards destruction. Then he said there's a narrow path. That leads to life and only a few there are that upon that. Now let me explain to you why this is so important for you to agree with what the word of God says about these two paths. Because we live in an era and we have for the last 30, 40 years where everyone has come to a a conclusion that any path works. My way is a good way as long as I don't hurt anybody else. And so what I want to do and how I want to do, you see it all in our sexuality, we see it in our truth, what we believe right and wrong is. We see it all poured out in that my way is right as long as it doesn't hurt or offend you. Well, that's not impossible. At some point, you're going to have these run into each other. So it's a lie. There is not any way gets you there. There is a right way and a wrong way. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Now, I know you younger guys struggle with that, and you older guys are like, preach, pastor, tell them the truth. But at the end of the day, Jesus very clearly lays out in his Holy Scripture, there's a right way and a wrong way. And guess what he says? And the Holy Spirit will guide you. In what way? The right way. The right way. He said, I don't know if I'm heading the right way. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. He lives and abides in you as a believer, and he wants to guide you in the right way. He wants to guide you in the way. The right way. The way. Come on, Mandalorians. This is the way. (laughs) There's a way. And there's a right way before the Lord, and the Holy Spirit will guide us. And I don't know about you, but I've done it the wrong way plenty of times. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Say amen. And I needed the Holy Spirit to show me the right way because my natural tendency is to go the wrong way. That's my natural tendency. I mean, anytime, like Jamie, uh, she's a right way kind of girl. She just loves Jesus, and so something inside of her is a lot better than what's inside of me. But anytime we get downtown, and I'm in a parking lot, and it's a one-way, but I want to go right there just one street over... I'm going to go the opposite direction I'm supposed to go and get to that little side road. She's losing her mind. That's the wrong way. That's the wrong Don't you do that. That's the wrong way. And I'm like, baby, they don't mean that for me. They mean that for people who ain't got no sense. I'm not going to go the wrong way with cars. There's no cars coming. So let's do it real quick. Nobody's around right now. And she's like, that's not right. Why? Because she loves the right way. I still got a lot of sinfulness in me that likes the wrong way sometimes. He says that he will lead you in the way the right way he will guide you to all truth and guess what that word all means in the original greek all it don't mean some it don't mean a little bit all truth and guess what he continues on to say and he says and he will reveal to you what is mine he will give you and help you with what is mine what belongs to jesus everything Everything, everything the scripture says has been placed under his feet. When he resurrected from the pits of hell and newness of life, the Bible tells us clearly that God the Father set him up and put everything under his feet. There is nothing that he doesn't have authority or power over. And so, listen to me, especially you young people. Listen to me. That's why when I pray for our young people, when I pray for your sons and daughters, and I pray for our young adults, I am believing that you will go into fields of chemistry and you'll go into fields of disciplines of the science. And you will say, Holy Spirit, guide me. And he will show you how to solve the cancer issue. Because why? Because he was there at creation. He was there at the parting of the Red Sea. He He, he takes all the knowledge of Jesus and affords it to us if we will but let him guide us. So I believe right now there are solutions and you, and you, and you, and you. Business solutions and breakthroughs and all of the racism is in some of you. Because he wants to reveal the truth on how to break through that if we'll just let him guide us. And this is the problem, is that Christians are not being guided by the Holy Spirit. They're being guided by their flesh. They're being guided by the world system. They're being guided by what that idiot said in their psychological and their psych class, uh, 101, and their freshman year in college. It's stuck in their... They're being guided with what bitter old grandma used to say all the time about this type of person and this type of person. And what you and I have to do is get free and let him guide us. And when we start letting... And none of us, especially as Texans, Texas Americans, won't anybody tell us what to do. And so when you and I find the safety of just being guided, it is so liberating and so fun. Did, listen, can I just say something to this, this, this side? This wasn't even in my notes. Men, let me just say this. Do you know why your wife doesn't follow you real well? Because you don't lead real well. Every woman wants a man who will lead well. And so if you don't, then she'll start leading. It's only because there's a vacuum there. That doesn't mean you have to be domineering and and, and overbearing. It just simply means you need to be a good leader. And you don't say, I'm not good at being a leader. My dad wasn't good at being a leader. Well, you can learn because the Holy Spirit will guide you on how to lead your family. You just got to let him guide you. Are you with me today? Say yes. Come on, you still love me? Say yes. And so the early Christian church was guided by the Holy Spirit. The first believers, they entrusted the Holy Spirit to guide. I want to give you a couple examples. Look at Philip in Acts chapter 8. Philip is this follower of God. He's not one of the apostles. In fact, the apostles were looking for some help. And so they basically said, hey, we need, we need you guys, the congregation, to pick you know five, six, seven guys um, who can hand out food to the homeless, who can help our widows. We're not getting the food distribution done. We need some administration help. But we're looking for a type of person who's full of the Holy Ghost. That's what they say. we just need to be sure they're full of the Spirit of the living God. As long as they're full of the Spirit of the Lord, we don't care how they rate, you know, on the personality profile or what their, you know, their number with, you know, this, that and the other is. If they're an eight or over three or whatever. We don't care about all that. We need to know they're full of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will guide them on how to do this right because we don't know what we're doing either. And so Philip was one of the ones picked. Well, Philip is having one of these days in the book of Acts chapter 8, where he's going about his business, he's on his way to work, he's on his way probably to sell some gift that came in at the church, and he's going to go turn that into some food to go bring that over to the widow ladies over here who doesn't have any income source. And as he's walking, the Bible says, the Spirit said to Philip, look what he says, the Spirit says to Philip, go and up and join this chariot. There was a man sitting in a chariot, a very expensive, he is sitting in a Maserati. Blacked out, tinted out, he's got a driver. I mean, he's sitting in a limo-type SUV, whatever. He's official. He actually, this man sitting in this official chariot. He's number two in the nation of Ethiopia. He's actually the assistant to the queen of Ethiopia. And so he's going to be a dark-skinned man. He's from Ethiopia, Africa. And so the, Philip, being a Jewish man, a little lighter-skinned, says, the Holy Spirit says, go up to him and see what he's doing. And he walks up to him, and he's reading a scroll sitting in the chariot. And Philip asking, he's probably running alongside of him. Windows rolled down, the guy's enjoying the breeze. He says, do you understand what you're reading? He says, I have no idea. He says, well, let me explain some of it to you. And Philip starts explaining to him about the scriptures and about the way and about Jesus Christ dying and resurrecting. And that that we can be followers of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the creator of all things. And somewhere in the middle of that process, this Ethiopian eunuch believes and says, then what? why don't I just get baptized? Look, there's a little pond right here. And Philip goes, stop the chariot, let's do it. He jumps out, he water baptizes him. As he comes out of the water, Philip is immediately translated. (laughs) He's not there anymore. I mean, like Star Trek, you know, engage. I mean, he's gone. His body shows up somewhere else. The Ethiopian unit is a convert of Jesus, and he's number two in the kingdom of Ethiopia. Now, historians tell us that in the early church movement, there were two great movements of Christianity in the earth. One into Europe, and the other one into Africa. That Africa began to be evangelized, and transformation began to happen with all these people who had never heard the gospel. And most scholars believe that it goes back to this Ethiopian eunuch. Philip says, yes, Holy Spirit, I'll walk up to a person that I don't know and ask him how they're doing because he obeys the Holy Spirit, let the Holy Spirit guiding. There is revival in Africa because of his moment of obedience to the Holy Spirit guiding him. Are you tracking with me? Let me give you another one. How about this one right here? We see Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 13. They're minding their own business. They're small group leaders in their church. They're network pastors. They're helping the church there in Antioch. And in a time of prayer and seeking the Lord, The Bible says the Holy Spirit spoke, and look what the Holy Spirit spoke to everyone that was there. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas. And Saul, we call him Paul, for the work to which I have called them. And from that point forward, Barnabas and Saul started the first New Testament missionary journey ministry. And they went out planting churches and preaching the gospel. And their home church supported them in that. And they were were leaders in their home church, but they went out planting churches. They started planting campuses in Mansfield. They started planting campuses in Arlington. Sorry, I just went into the vision of the house. Sorry. Because the Holy Spirit said to do it. And as a result of that, we have the book of Ephesians because the church that they planted in Ephesus that they needed to write them letters about that. We had the letters to the Corinthians because these are churches that they planted on their missionary journeys. We have, we have these, we, these holy scriptures because of their obedience instead of saying, no, it's comfortable. I just, you know, I just like where we live right now. I don't want to sell my house. I'm like, God, ah, I could never sell my house. And the life is so easy and comfortable right now. They said, yes, Holy Spirit, we'll go. Let's go. And he guided them into something that changed the world. This is what I want you to understand. The early church knew how to follow the Holy Spirit. And I would say the 2,000-year-old church is not really good at following and letting the Holy Spirit guide us. So I want to give you a couple truths. About the Holy Spirit guidance and it may help you a little bit and knowing how to follow him may help you understand why people have missed him but said they were following him so let's just dive into that for a little bit you ready? Truths truce about Holy Spirit guidance number one always the Holy Spirit guidance always lines up with the Word of God somebody say amen. amen he will never tell you to do something that's not that's anti what the scriptures already say why would he hear from Jesus and, and then dis and tell you to disobey what Jesus has already put in his holy word in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Jesus is the Word. So when we consume the Holy Scriptures, it's as though we're taking on Jesus's nature, his teachings, and who he is. In fact, Jesus actually says to the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth, and he will teach you what I have taught you. He will remind you of what I've taught you. And this is why so many people do so many stupid things because they don't actually know the Word of God. That's why I want to be a part of a church that reads the Bible every day. That's why we started in January, reading through that little Bible piece. And you can go back around and jump in with us. We're reading through the entire New Testament just this year. Just one chapter, two chapters at a time. Here we are, just line upon line. And all of a sudden you start reading the whole Bible, and then it starts making sense to you. Instead of, you've had this little one-liner from Stephen Furtick, because you like him, or this little one-liner from Michael Todd or Bishop Jakes. And you're like, man, uh, I heard them say that, and I believe this and I believe that. No, no, no. You heard a one-liner. You don't have a holistic viewpoint of who God is, and you know a bunch of one-liners and that's why you can't stand when something comes against you because you need to know the word for yourself. In fact, your pastor should not be standing here telling you what the word says. He should only be confirming what you already know the word says because you've been reading it. And then you can say, oh, pastor, I love you, but I think you might have missed that one because I've been reading over her and it don't say that. Okay? And then that way you would have the ability to actually rightly divide the word of truth yourself because you've been reading. He always guides in accordance to the word of God he always 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 years ago at the church I grew up in and I came on staff as a young minister we had every day um, we had what we called a counseling center and it was just simply our offices and we kept one big room open and it was a walk-in you could walk in and one of the pastors on staff would be in charge that day of bringing counseling. So I typically had Tuesdays, and, and, uh, and thank God it was Tuesdays. It wasn't as busy because I was the young pastor, and they were like, he's going to mess it all up, so let's give him the day that nobody really comes in. And I'll never forget, I had, um, I had a person come in, sweet lady. She had her two little kids, and she went to another church. And this happened frequently. People from other churches would come and sit down with us. And, uh, and this person said, um, hey, uh, my name is so-and-so, and you probably know who my husband is. And we go to another church. And she says, but my husband is in jail, and I don't know what to do. I'm so confused. And she began to lay out the story. She said, we were praying against the spirit of murder and death in the United States. And we were so angry at how many babies they were killing in our city at the abortion clinic. That my husband, my husband felt like the Holy Spirit told him to burn down the local abortion clinic." and he did the FBI caught him he's in jail now and I don't have an income and I've got my two kids and I don't know where God is at. did God tell him to do that did he not tell him to do that and I simply said sweet love the Holy Spirit would never go against what the Holy Scripture says and my Bible says that we are to pray for those who hate us my Bible says to love my enemies Uh, do good to those who do evil to us Why would you burn down his building and then call it the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit told us to do good. The Word of God tells us to do good to those who do evil. You tried to fight the flesh with the flesh, and you thought somehow God was good with it. And so now you're paying the penalty of your stupidity. That was not the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Have a great day. That's all I could give her. Why? Because they had gone down a road calling it. The Holy Spirit leading when really it was your flesh leading you, and because and the way you know it is because it didn't line up with the Word of God, it didn't line up. He would not tell you to do something that go, opposes what He's already told us in Scripture. Are you still with me? Say yes. Here's another truth about the Holy Spirit guidance. You're not going to like it, but it's true, and that is there's safety through submission. When the Holy Spirit guides you, there's safety through submission. Do you know what the Scripture teaches us? It teaches us to submit one to another. Did you know that? tells us to submit as Christians, submit one to another. Why does it tell us that? Because that man right there has the Holy Spirit living inside of him. And that lady right there has the Holy Spirit living inside of her. And I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. So if I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me to do something, especially a major shift in my family, a major decision, I should go to the brothers and sisters in Christ and say, listen, I'm getting this thing. And the Holy Spirit inside of them will be able to say, yeah, we confirm that or say, ooh, we got to check about that. We know you. We've been doing life with you. And we think that there may be the, that selfish ambition is rising up inside of you. And the reason why people don't want to submit what they're hearing from the Lord to other believers or to their pastors is because they don't want to be told no. They don't want to be told, I don't think that's wise. I don't think that's a good decision. In fact, can I just give you the spirit, the, 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 the biblical precedence for this? The apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 2 tells of a moment in his life. The apostle Paul arguably is much more intelligent, studied, and a higher scholar than all of the other apostles. They're all fishermen and tax collectors. Paul grew up in theology. He spent his whole life studying theology. So when he has an encounter with Jesus Christ, he immediately is elevated to probably the most theologically sound, brilliant, if you will, of all the apostles. And the apostle Paul had a revelation that the Gentiles did not need to be circumcised, nor did they need to live by the letter of the law because they were living by faith. But in Galatians chapter 2, Paul says, I went to Jerusalem so that I could convey, so I can confer with the brothers, the believers, the leaders of the Jerusalem church, even though Barnabas and I have been at the Antioch church Where there's freedom and excitement And we eating pork over there Come on somebody And they over here, you know, not eating pork and stuff And so I went to them To confer Lest I had been preaching the gospel in a wrong way And they said You're right on so this is a spiritual precedence that none of the believers of our era <clears throat> want to do when they're trying to lead, be led by the Holy Spirit, and I, and I tell people all this time they'll come meet with some of our pastors or something, and we feel like God wants us to do God wants us to do that, and they'll drop what we call the trump card. They'll drop the Jesus name. God told me to. Well, how am I? Well, God told you to. What am I say? No, He didn't. Like, how do we fight that battle when you're being stupid? Right. So either we offend you one way or we offend you the other way. And so, so people do that to us. All. God told us to do this, Pastor. What do you think? Well, what do you mean? What do I think? If God told you, you're not asking me for my my counsel to you. You're not submitting your ability to hear from the Lord and be led by the Holy Spirit to me. What you're doing is telling me what He told me to do, and what He told me to. And then you want me to agree with you. And if I disagree with you, then you're going to stick it up my nose. So, how about you come to me and say, "Hey, Pastor, we are." There's a precious couple that does this uh, to us all the time. They come and they say, "We feel like the Lord's telling us to do this." What do you see? And when they do that, we're able to give wise counsel. The Spirit of the Lord inside of us, the Spirit of the Lord inside, and we confer, and they get wise counsel. And man, I'm telling you, this couple has so blessed me. They have made such great decisions in their life, and they've been hit with one problem after another, but they're submitted. To the Lord God, and they're submitted to the brothers and sisters in Christ who also had the Holy Spirit to help guide them. And this is why people do weird things. And you're like, you hear these guys, especially the Reformed theology guys, coming against spirit-led Christians and pastors. And, and they should, because there's stupid stuff happening that has never been submitted to other brothers and sisters in Christ who had the same Holy Spirit in them. And then they blame it on the Holy Ghost told me to do it. Mm, no, I think you had too much pizza the night before. That's what happened. Or you're still full of so, such selfish ambition and you can't see it. You're blinded to it. And so a door opens and you say, it's the Lord. i got to do it. Is it the Lord? Is it really? Was that the Holy Spirit leading? Was that him really guiding you? I'm trying to teach you how to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me today? Say yes. And so he put in his Holy Scriptures that we should submit one to another. Months ago, um, you know, as a senior leader here at Hill City, Um, We were looking through, and um, we were looking through our finances for for the church, for Hill City's finances. And we had some money in savings. And I was really concerned about it because the money sitting in savings, and as we have had such an inflation, your dollar was losing its value. It's losing its, money just sitting in savings right now is losing its value. Why? Because the cost of goods are going up, and your dollar is still sitting at this value. So it's losing money is what it's doing. And so I was praying over it, and I felt like I had a word from the Lord on, on where we should take a portion of the savings of Hill City and invest it in something. And so let me tell you what we did. I immediately got the stewardship team together, sat them down and said, man, I feel like I'm hearing the Lord on this. What do you guys think? And they're praying about this, and so we feel like that could be a good investment, Pastor, that, that the Lord, could, th- we think there's something good about it. Do you have any red lights? No red lights. Do you have any yellow lights? No, not really. Okay, great. Then I, said, no, I went and I contacted all of our lead team are elders and I said, "This is what I'm sensing from the Lord." What do you guys feel? And they're like, "Pastor, that that could be the Lord." We don't have any red lights, and uh, but maybe a, le- a yellow light. Maybe we proceed with caution. I said, "Okay." And so then I went and fi- found the smartest people in our church in reference to these type of investments, and we sat with them and we met with them multiple time over weeks until we felt like they had they saw what we were trying to do, and they said, "Man, that's that." We feel good about that, and we made that investment, and that investment is growing, not because we're so smart, because we conferred and got counsel, and we were led by the Holy Spirit because others had good counsel, because they had the Holy Spirit living and abiding in them. Are you with me? Say yes. This is why you mess up your families, because you won't do that. This is why we aren't truly guided by the Holy Spirit, because we say, bless God, I heard God, and I'm the one who hears from God. All right. Well... You know, somebody's going to be cleaning it up later because you weren't willing to submit it to others. Oh, what wisdom to say. Go to your small group and say, hey, guys, I just want to submit this to you guys. We're feeling this and sensing this. We've been praying over this. And let someone be honest with you and say, well. We sense this for you. We, we feel the Holy Spirit may be saying this. And let them pray with you about it. And, and, and instead of jumping every time and just kind of being led by the Spirit of the Lord. Are you still there? Say yes. You still love me? Say yes. Here's the third thing that I would teach you about the truth of how the Holy Spirit guides us. And that is it's going to require trust. It's going to require trust. You're going to have to, it may not happen, the things that you're hearing from the Lord, or the dreams that you've been given, or the prophecies from your childhood. It may take a little longer, awaiting waiting on the Lord in some things. Before, so it's going to take trust. Trust is easy when the thing's immediate. Trust is difficult when it takes a while. Some of you single folks, you've been praying, Lord, I don't want to be single. And you feel like the Lord said, you don't have to be single, I'm sending somebody to you. And you're like, well, Lord, we've been praying the same prayer for five years. So you need to hurry up your, your time frame, Jesus. And the Lord's like, listen, just trust me. Trust the Spirit of the Lord. Because the last thing you want to do is get tied in with somebody who's going to mistreat your, your children. The last thing you want to do is get tied in someone who hasn't been fully microwaved or baked yet. And they're not ready. And then you come in with them and they come in with you and they mess up your whole life. You want to trust the Lord. It takes time sometimes. For years, years ago, when I was a youth minister and um, we were in Baton Rouge and we had what um, at the time was the second largest youth group in the United States. And we had this dream on how to win more young people to Jesus. And the statistics at that time were 95% of American teenagers went to public schools. So if I wanted to really go to where, the, I couldn't get them to come to my youth group, I wanted to go reach them like a missionary. How do we go get them? How do we go tell them the truth about Jesus and his love for them? Well, the only way that we found that we could really reach masses, groups of young people was well, somehow we needed to get in the public school. So I started knocking on doors, started going to principals, hey, would you let me come and minister to the students? And they, of course, were resistant. You know, I don't know if you're a child molester, I don't know who you are, you're not coming up in my school. And so then we started realizing we could start clubs. And so we started going to the principals asking if we could start clubs, and they're like, no, we enough clubs we don't need any more Christian clubs and we're like oh my goodness and so for a year Two years, prayed over it. Holy Spirit, you told me to do this. I can't get a breakthrough, and I just was patient. We just kept trusting the Lord and keep praying. We kept massaging that thing in the spirit, just kept praying over it. Every time it came to my mind, pray over it. Every time I have a a meeting with someone, oh, you know something. And I would add to my knowledge a little bit more. I ended up meeting with attorneys and found out what our legal right was in reference to the public school system. I began meeting with educators in the public school system and realized why they were resisting and the things that they had to go through. So I was getting a well-balanced education on what was really needed, how we could be a part of the solution and not create another problem. And this moment came along when all of a sudden it became kind of popular in business. Um, There was this Christian gentleman who put together these teachings on character. He called them character traits. And they began to teach them in corporate America, in businesses. And these businesses that began to teach these character traits, things like honesty, things like um, truth-telling, timeliness, um, industriousness, all these pieces, they began to teach these things and employees begin to perform better. Uh, they begin to stop lying about, you know, their time off that they were sick when really they just wanted to go. You know, they wanted a day off. And things, productivity in these companies that taught these character traits begin to explode on the scene. People were happier. They began to work together better. And so, and so, our church began to say, "Hey, let's incorporate that into our staff." So I'm learning these character traits. I get a phone call, three years at this point we've been praying, how do we get in the public schools, how can we do this, we had a word from the Lord that that's where he was going to send us, nothing, we're not touching anybody, we can't get in these schools, it's not working. I get a phone call from the mayor's office, and the mayor's office says, hey, the mayor is putting together a council of youth leaders, because he wants to figure out how we can bring crime down in our city, teen pregnancy, um, how can we fix this, would you come and meet with us, and I was like, I got a phone call from the mayor, I'm like, oh my God, and so I guess I'll be there. And so I show up, and it's me. I'm the only youth pastor. There is the youth uh, diocese director of, of youth ministries for the Catholic Church um, for that district of diocese. There is the, uh, boys, um, the, the, um, the Boy Scout and Girl Scout uh, you know, district director or state director there. And one other person like that. They were all nonprofits, but not local church. I was the only local church guy there. And so he starts going into, you know, the mayor's like, we need to fix this problem, teen pregnancies through the roof, drug, drug uh, usage through young people is through the roof. We've got fights, we got all this in our schools, and we need a solution. Does anybody have any ideas? And, and so in the middle of that, I see the moment. And I said, well, mayor, I, I think where our starting point is to really teach young people character and integrity. They don't have any of that. So they're just, it's not that they're bad, they're just, they have nothing else to live for. And uh, he goes, that's awesome. And he goes, have you heard of this character training? I was like, we do that in our church. He goes, that, that, if we could get them out. It's like, and all of a sudden, I just took the moment. And the, all these other big wigs are just sitting there like, we don't know what to do. And I said, what if we started character clubs in every high school? He goes, that's what we should do. I said, Here's what I need, Mayor. Would you write me a letter to every principal of the 17 high schools in, my, in the capital city of Louisiana, Baton Rouge, and and, and, let, and say Adam McCain has been approved to start character clubs in your schools. Would you write that letter for me? He said, I'll have it done by the time we finish this conversation. I walked out of his office with a stack of letters. I went to the first school, and I said, um, I'm here on behalf of the mayor. He told me to give you this. The principal read it. They said, okay, when do you want to start, and what do you need? So I was, I was like, well, I need this, 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 and this, and this. By the end of the year, we had started 17 character clubs. Our smallest club had 50 students in it, and our largest had 150 students. We called them C-clubs. They stood for character, and Christian, and in the middle of that, we started getting these kids saved after we did a little character treating, t- t- teaching. We'd say, now listen, you can't have character without Christ. And so what you need is Christ in your life. How many of you guys want Jesus in your life? And man, we have our young people from our youth group that went to that school, lead the clubs, and we started seeing kids say We had 1,500 students in a year and a half in those clubs overnight. Why? The Spirit of the Lord guided me, but I had to trust Him for about three years. I just had to trust. Keep trusting. He's going to do it in his timing. It's all in his hands. It's not in my hands. Otherwise, I'd have started trying to cook it, And we're going to bring a lawsuit against you guys because you don't want to let Christians come into the public school system. And these poor little principals are just trying to keep it all together. And, you know, here comes this little radical little nod from Louisiana. You know, and there's a Cajun boy up in their school trying to do something. But in the right timing, the Lord brought it forth. And we saw so many people saved and life transformed. It requires trust. Here's the fourth thing that I would teach you in reference to how the truth, um, how he brings truth into our life and guidance. And that is, it may cause you pain, but it's always for your good. Following the Holy Spirit may cause you a little pain, but it's always for your good. The moment that Jesus is water baptized, the Holy Spirit comes appointing. And the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord led him into the wilderness. He fasted for 40 days. And then 40 days, what happens? He gets tempted by Satan himself. The Holy Spirit led him into that. The Bible uses the word tempted. It's actually better translated out tested. Tempted has this in- insinuation that, that you're trying to lure you away from something good. That's not what was happening. He was being tested to prove what, what he had was real. So anytime you go through something hard, you need to stop whining. It's so bad. Why? And just go, oh, come on. The Holy Spirit thinks I'm strong enough to make it through this. I'm being tested. Why? Because you got to test the things that you want to reproduce. Right, So God wants to reproduce you He wants so many spiritual sons and daughters in your life So many disciples that you make Why? Because what you have is good And it's real and it's awesome But he's got to test it to see if there's any broken space A little bit of pressure You put that pressure on it to see if that If that, if that weld is going to hold You put pressure on it to see if that thing's going to stand up To the storm and the, and the difficulty And so some of you are in the testing mode right now And I want you to understand It may be painful but it's for your good it's for your good. We see it clearly in, in the book of Acts chapter 20. And the apostle Paul, he's led by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem. They're, they have been beating on him every city he goes to It's towards the end of his missionary work. And they begin to prophesy to him. His friends say, prophesy to him, when you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound. He goes, why do you break my heart? Stop telling me that. I know, but the Holy Spirit told me I have to go to Jerusalem. And in the process of going to Jerusalem, being in Jerusalem, he gets beat. He goes through pain. He has to appeal to Caesar. So he goes to Rome. And all of that process, guess what happens? He ends up getting to preach to the biggest, most popular, most powerful people of the nations. Yes, that little bit of pain, that suffering that he went through. But following the guidance of the Holy Spirit, there's something bigger coming through that pain. And through that pain, he got to preach to this king and to this high, high, high official and to this high official and to this person. And the gospel was able to go. That's why the gospel went through Europe because of that piece, And it went through Africa because of this Ethiopian eunuch. You see, those who let the Holy Spirit guide them, he did big things through their life. Whether they saw it in their lifetime or it was a result of something they did over here that exploded over here. Being guided by the Holy Spirit is one of the key gifts that Jesus gave us with his presence living and abiding in us. Who guides you? How do you make decisions? How do you know what job to take and which one to reject? What's guiding you? What principles of life are you living by? Some leadership book? Because that guy was what? He was so focused on making billions of dollars? Is that the guidance that you want to live by? Because if you do, then you're going to get what that person is guiding you in. You're going to get busted up marriages, kids who hate you. My uncle was one of the wealthiest men in our city. He had, he had foregone following Jesus, and he ran after business. And can I tell you, he was one of the richest young men in our city, made it big in the oil industry. But can I just tell you something? His family didn't like him. His children struggle with addictions. But he was busy going to church, making divine connect business connections is the only reason he went. He told me this. This is not me judging him and he told me towards the end of his life he said adam you made the better decision to follow christ meanwhile jamie and i have given up everything we'll give it up give away cars give whatever because the holy spirit tells us to and the guidance and we've never been hungry we've never you can tell we ain't been hungry we've never wanted god's provided all our needs according to his riches and glory who's guiding you where are you getting your truth from where are you getting your belief systems? What are you reproducing in your children and your grandchildren? He will guide you into all truth. He will teach you and guide you. It's what Jesus promised. And the last piece that I would teach you about the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and that is he will not force you to follow. He won't do it. Isn't that unbelievable? Jesus gave his free will, and the Holy Spirit will not force you to follow him. What he does is he woos you. He says, come on, this is the right way. And you said, no, nah, I ain't doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to be a small group leader. I don't care what they say. I'm not going to go to a small group. I don't care what they say. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. He'll woo you. Come on. Come on. Let that person speak into your life. Nope. I ain't doing it. He will not force his will on you. He won't do it. He won't force you to follow him. You you have free will. You can be guided. Here's Here's what the Spirit of the Lord does. He guides. He doesn't dominate. I'll say it again. He guides you. He doesn't dominate you. And so you don't have to go with the spirit of the living God. You don't have to, don't have to receive the gifts that he has for you. When we come back next week, we're going to look at the power gifts that he's given us. You don't have to walk with the fruit. Uh, you know how I can tell someone is full of the Holy Spirit, following the Holy Spirit? The scripture tells me. Because they have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruit, proof that the spirit of the Lord is inside. If you don't have peace, you stop following him in something. Because even in pain, you can have peace. I watched this little couple on the front row lose that baby last year, and they still walked in peace. How'd they do that? How'd they lose their first baby, held that dead baby in their arms, and still have the peace of God in their life? Because they let the Holy Spirit guide them. They let the Holy Spirit lead them into all truth. And bring them into a place of goodness with Jesus. Even though they went through pain and suffering and difficulty. I watched those who blew it, blew it, I mean, have sinned against the Lord and against and against themselves. And I've watched them say, you know what, I blew it. And they come back and they submit and they say, Holy Spirit, lead me. And man, listen, they come right up out of that mess. And that thing's no longer who they are anymore. That identity's been crushed under the power of the Lord. Why? Because they let him guide them out of that into his goodness and into his truth. Here's again my question to you. Who's guiding you? I'm guiding myself. Praise God. Nobody tells me what to do. That's your problem. And that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a lot of self. I'm trying to raise up men and women of God in this church who have the spirit of the Lord living inside them, who know how to follow him. When he convicts them, we say, oh, I'm so sorry, Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you for pointing that out to me. I don't want to be like that. Let me go tell that person I'm sorry. I don't want to sit and try to pretend I'm worshiping when really all I am is playing through my mind how I don't like that woman three rows over. I'm, I'm going to go and make that right right now. Sister, can we talk? I've had, you have ticked me off for so many months now. And I want to tell you, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm trying to pretend like I'm worshiping Jesus. I ain't all I'm thinking about is you. And so can you just forgive me for being that way? And I want to forgive you for being what you were to me. Whether you want me to forgive you or not, I'm going to forgive you. This is what the Spirit of the Lord does. That's what it looks like. And this is why some of you, you've grown up with people who are supposed to be Christians, but they did not let the Holy Spirit lead them and guide them. And so they got to a plot, spot where they stopped, and they're like, I'm not following him no more in this area. I'm not going to follow him anymore in this area. I can't tell you how many people said, I can't go with you anymore, Pastor Adam, because you want a multiracial church. And I don't want to be in a relationship with people who don't vote the way I vote. And I told them, well, you stay there, because we're still going there. We're following him. Didn't make <laughs> let them. Uh, they may go to heaven, I don't know, but that's not my business. My business... Is for us to follow the spirit of the living God, a multiracial, multi-generational church who's reproducing who we are in the lives of others, who are raising up our sons and daughters in the faith to be men and women of God who can follow the Holy Spirit, who are going to where people are hurting and planting campuses in their midst so that we can love them right there. It's how I try to get them drive across the Metroplex to us. This is what the spirit of the Lord's leading us in, and we're following in it. And when we follow him, there's peace, joy, joy. Kindness, goodness, self-control. Are you with me? Say yes. Yeah. And one last little piece. Romans 8, 14 says it like this. For all who are led or being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean gender. These are the, his children. Right. These are the sons and daughters, those who are led by the Spirit of God. In fact, it could be said, how do you know someone's a Christian? Whether or not they're being led by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. These are the ones you can know because they've got conviction in their life. they got conviction. And they're being guided. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, but they're being guided by the Holy Spirit. And it's always for our good. Are you with me today? Say yes. Stand with me quickly across the room. Here. so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today. And I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Would you text decided to 469-606-2684? And uh, we want to respond and again, just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey with Jesus. Don't forget next week we are here again, same place, same time.